Amen. I just love, I love so much our worship here. And it's, it's funny because I, I've told the worship team, <clears throat> uh, Josh can attest to this, um, but I told the worship team that I, I want to have at least 45 minutes of worship because it's so powerful. And it's funny because, am I ringing a little bit here? It's funny because whenever we get to that last song, I look at the time and I think, they're not going to make it. They're not going to make it. They're not going to make it. And then, oh, they made it. (laughs) At least least 45 minutes. The Lord loves our worship. I don't know if anybody noticed, but there there was a point. um, I want to say it was in the middle of Break Every Chain. It started... In the second verse where it said, there's an army rising up. But, uh, it, it, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll do things every now and then. I'm still ringing. I? What is up with that? Is that better? Maybe? For now? Okay. Um, <clears throat> I'll, I'll kind of, you know, tap my hands. You'll see me tap my hands to my side or whatever. Or I'll tap my hands on my chest. And... And, uh, and for, for, at the time, I didn't really realize it, but I had my hand up here on my heart, and, and I just, I had this weird tapping motion that I was doing. And uh, it, it didn't dawn on me, and then the Lord spoke to me, and he said, that's my heart. That's my heartbeat. Okay, if you, those of you who know um, <clears throat> about uh, you know, the body, that was, that was a fast, that was not a resting heartbeat, that was a faster heartbeat. And, and when he told me that, he told me that he gets so excited with our worship. And they, that may or may not mean anything to you, but you have to understand how much the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit love worship. They just love it. I mean, they love it so much. God the Father loves it so much that he created four angels that that's all they do. That's their whole job, to cry, holy, 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 to declare his holiness. Do you understand when you worship, you are declaring his holiness. You are declaring his goodness. You're declaring who he is. You're declaring his power. Now, why is that important? Because he knows he's powerful. Right? Why do we need, need to declare it? Why does he want us to declare it? It's because there is an enemy in this world that needs to see that we have made that choice. We have made that choice of our own fruition. Nobody forced me to worship God. Nobody forced me to come here this morning. Maybe some of you young people, you were forced. <laughs> okay, but nobody forces us to worship God. That's something we do by our own choice. And that's something that we say, I want the world to know it, and I want the enemy to know it, that I choose Jesus Christ, and I serve him, and I love him. And so I I just love, I love our worship. What was the name of that second song we did? Yeah, that's it. That's the one. (laughs) That will stick in my mind all day. That was so awesome. That was such a declarative song. 
And, and as a matter of fact, you know what? I want you guys to be prepared. At the very end, I'm going to close the service. We're going to do that song one more time. Because we're here to let it be known. Do I need to move back a little bit? For them to see me? Oh, well, that's probably not good. I'm probably going to have to turn myself down a little bit more. Than... <clears throat> Is that better? Yeah. All right. One day we'll have a good system and people can adjust all that stuff. But uh, So I, I'm so thankful that we have a worshiping church and a declaring church. You know, we, we, we are here to declare the power of Jesus Christ and the power of his name. And it's interesting because that goes along with something that happened to me this week. We, uh, uh, on Wednesday, as a family, we, we don't, don't too often get to do things, all four of us, mainly because it's, it's hard enough to, to, you know, reel Brooke in from everything she's doing. But we had all four of us together on Wednesday, and we went to Lancaster and went to Sight and Sound and saw Jonah. And, uh, and it, it, I, I would recommend it to everybody. It was just phenomenal. It was awesome. Okay, but we're sitting in Jonah, and we're, we're, I think we were six rows from the front, which was really cool, because everything kind of flies over you. And, um, but you know the story of Jonah. Jonah and the whale, Jonah goes to Nineveh, he doesn't want to go to Nineveh, he fights God on going to Nineveh. Why? Because he knows God's going to do something special there, right? Well, it was at the point of that play, when he first, the very first convert, if you will, at Nineveh, said, I believe. Just one. Just one. Said, I believe. It was right at that point that the Lord just downloaded this word to me. And I want to read it to you because it, it became very profound in what we are as ignition. He said in he said, and we, we all know about this revival coming, right? This global awakening, this readying of the bride. We've talked about that, probably talked about it just about every week, right? He said, the revival in my bride will be like what I did in Nineveh. It will be those who hated me and separated themselves from me that will turn and their passion will burn for me. He contrasted this with Jonah's heart, who loved him, but did not know how to love those who God loves. This was a picture of his current bride, that picture of Jonah. I felt the Lord say, the passion of my church will be driven by those who have not known me for long. This was not to say that no one currently in the bride will be passionate but that the very movement that is coming will gain its momentum from the conversion of the world. He said to me, those in the bride who love him with all their heart and are willing to give up everything for him will lead this charge. I also felt him say, just as Nineveh, the entire world will see who I am through this movement. See, because in Nineveh, it started with one and then a few. But remember, the whole city turned. The whole city became passionate for God. This is not a city of three, four, five hundred people. 
This was a city of roughly 120,000 people. So it wasn't that they just had this one outing where Jonah spoke to everybody and everybody got saved and everybody turned their lives 180 degrees. But this was, this was where Jonah spoke and it began to grow. See, the real spreading came from the converts who had converted in Nineveh. That turned from, from literally running from God to sprinting toward God. And I see him doing that. I've seen him doing that from the inception of Ignition. I've seen him take people that did not know the Lord at all. Or, or perhaps were saved you know, younger or whatever, but had never really pursued him. And got a hold of their lives. And they became passionate for him. They became passionate because nothing else was important, or as important. Only what he wanted, only what Jesus Christ wants, that's what we become passionate for. I'm so thankful for that, and I I wanted to read that word this morning because I wanted to encourage you. Because see, only those who lay their lives down for Christ can literally break through the strongholds that the enemy has on this world. And it's already happening. We see it already happening. But for it to gain this momentum of this revival, see, it can't be a part-time thing. Your life can't be a part-time, I give it to you, Lord. It has to be sold out. He wants you to be sold out. He sold out for you. When he died on the cross, he gave everything. And we always look back at that, but do you realize he's giving everything right now? See, there is nobody, nobody who works harder for this revival to come than Jesus Christ. He said to his disciples before he ascended, after he rose from the dead and before he ascended into heaven, he said, when I go and you want me to go because because the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit in power. And we talked about that last couple weeks in Acts. But he said this, he said, you will do, and this was back in John 14, you will do more than I did. Why? Because I'm at the Father's right hand. Not because you have more power than I did, but because I am literally going to be seated at the right hand of the Father, and whatever you ask in my name, and whatever you ask according to my will, I will do it. Do you take that seriously? Do you take that literally in your own life? That God, if you have a place for me in this movement, if you have a place for me, In this revival, I want it. I just give you my yes. I've said it before. I wake up in the morning. And every morning I say, God, I give you my yes. I give you my yes. And and Lord, I don't know how to pray. You you may, may look at me and think, well, yeah, but he knows how to pray. No, I don't. I know how to talk. Right? But see, if you don't know the Lord's will... It doesn't matter in your prayer. 
Because, see, it's not my job to figure out his will or even to figure out how to manipulate what he wants into how I pray. God, I need a new car and, you know, that Jeep I've been looking at, that's really the one I want. And, and Lord, you said whatever I ask in your will, in your name, I'll get it. I want a Jeep. <laughs> I'm not saying he won't give you the Jeep. And I'm not saying I don't pray for that. Okay, my point is, prayer is easy. When you just say, I give you my yes, and I desire your will. That's all. You have authority over your own life. And as you grow, you gain authority over other things. See, I I have authority in my life over my life. But in the position God has brought me to, I, I also had authority and was given authority over my family, over my children. Right? And I was given authority over ignition as we started ignition. He grows your authority as he grows you in him. But when you say yes, and you say I want your will, that is for all of the things you have authority over. Right? And many times we can pray in intercession for others as well in the same way. I know when, when we go to the courts for Carson which we do a couple times a day. I always pray, Lord, your will and your timing. Why? Because I know that's what Carson wants. He's told me. He's told all of us. He wants the Lord's will. He wants, as much as he would like it to have already happened, this this healing in his life, he would have liked liked it to happen, you know, six years ago. (laughs) Right? Okay, but... He falls back to the fact that, Lord, I want your will, and I want your timing. Boy, that second one's harder. I want your will, that's a little easier. I want your timing, that's a little tougher. Why? Because we put this huge emphasis on timing. And we've talked about this before. I mean, you look at examples in the Word of God. You look at Paul, who had probably the greatest ministry. We're going to be getting into that later later in this series, but... The greatest ministry in the New Testament. Probably one of the greatest New Testament Christians in terms of of outreach and everything else. And you look and it took 17 years. 17 years after he was saved. After he had the Damascus Road encounter with Jesus Christ. So that's not counting the years and years of him being trained in the the Torah, in the Word of God, in in the law. So imagine, imagine taking 17 years in preparation. I look and I I, I thank God that God called me at 50. Because I'm just hoping I got a few of those years behind me. (laughs) Right? God, your preparation has been the last 30 years in my life. But it takes time. It takes time for God to put into place all the things that he needs to do in our lives. To bring to fruition what we're asking for, which is his will. Right? I've said it before. He's written a book about all of our lives. Each one of you has a book that was written about you before you were ever born. This book in heaven, Psalm 91. I believe it's 91. This book and all the things he wrote about his desire for your life is in this book. 
So it's really simple. When you want to pursue God's will, when you get up in the morning and say, I give you my yes, and God, I ask that you open the book. Open the book you wrote for me. I say yes to that book. I say yes to your will. I ask your will to be done in my life as you've written it in that book. You don't have to figure things out. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a hard process. God make, made it a really easy process. Because he knows we can't figure it out all the time. But what's amazing to me is as you build in relationship with him, he lets you figure out little things. And those things grow and grow and grow. And we do come to a place where he begins to give us pictures and visions in our life of what he wants to do. It's just awesome. So go ahead and turn to Acts. We're at the end of chapter 2. We're at uh, verse 42, but I want to explain real quick just kind of where we're at in Acts here. We've already gone through... The, the, as we've talked about a couple of weeks ago, we went through Pentecost where the Holy Spirit fell on those 120 people. And, and then Peter stood up and he gave this amazing message, which was so different than who he was as a man before that. And, and I encouraged you to, to read, uh, Luke. Because Luke also wrote, wrote Acts, but Luke is, is, is Jesus' life from the same perspective, from a Gentile perspective, as what Acts is. And you see all through Luke, and for that matter, all the Gospels, where, where Peter kind of was this speak-before-thinking kind of guy, you know, um, passionate, probably the most passionate, but oftentimes leaped before he thought or leaped before he was told to leap, (laughs) right? You see that all throughout the Gospels. And then all of a sudden, a very different Peter stands up. A very different Peter. Because this Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with God's power, the very power, it says, that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He was filled with this power, which, by the way, that's the same power available to each of us. That's important to understand. This is not something that just happened in time that is no longer available. This is something that is available right now, and it's produced through relationship with Jesus Christ. But a different Peter stood up that day, that morning. The Bible even tells us what time it was. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. And Peter stood up and he told these people who were just responsible for killing the Messiah, for hanging the the creator of the universe, the Son of God, hanging him on a tree. See, Peter wasn't afraid like he was less than two months before. Right? He wasn't afraid and ran away like he did the night that Jesus went on trial. He stood up before those who accused Jesus Christ and who nailed him to the cross. And he said, you guys did it. This Jesus whom you crucified is the evidence of what you see now. Is the power in which you see displayed before you. 
at Pentecost. So that's what was going on, and, and we saw at the end um, of, of that time, it, it said that, uh, uh, verse 41 said, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. That's a good service. Imagine that. And that's a good service. When you have 3,000 people come to the conviction of understanding who Jesus Christ was, and, and these were the people that had just crucified him. These were the people that just jeered him in the streets as he was carrying his cross. These were the people that stood around and watched him being beaten and didn't care. These were the people that when, when Jesus was presented with Barabbas, they said, give us Barabbas, who was a thief and a murderer. They said, but him, crucify him, because he says he's God, and he blasphemes. These were the people that hated Jesus Christ. And yet when they heard this truth, they heard it in power. Because Peter was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. They heard it in power and they were moved, the Bible says. They were moved to compassion, to conviction, to understanding who Jesus was. And they asked forgiveness. And they were forgiven. 3,000 of them in one shot. This, unless there was more said, this was not a long sermon. It was just truth. What's your reaction to truth? When you hear God's word, and not just about who Jesus Christ is, but when you hear his word about your life and what you are supposed to be and do with your life, do you let that conviction enter in your heart? Do you let that conviction overwhelm you to bring you to a place of understanding? God, I give you my yes. I want to give you my yes. I'm tired of driving my life anymore. I want you to drive. Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> hey, that should be a song. Yeah, I know. So, okay, that was a people attempt. No, but what does it take for you to understand Jesus has purpose in your life? And it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter who you've been or who you are. That's why he had me read that word about Nineveh. See, because Nineveh was a place, it wasn't just that they were a godless people. It was a place that hated Israel. So, see, in the times of the law, that's like hating God. And they would come because they were just on the other side of the sea. They would come over and they would take what they wanted. They would kill who they wanted. They would destroy what they wanted. They had no feelings for God at all. No feelings for his people. In fact, they had disdain. But see, God 
had mercy on them. And he loved them so much that he sent Jonah, even though it took a little bit to get him to go, he sent Jonah over there just to give him the word that Jesus loves them, that God loves them. And look what happened. Look what happened. This passion, this passion burned inside of those first few that spread like wildfire. You know, I love in, in, that, in that first song we did, this is revival, the backdrop, of, as Brooke had commented, this backdrop is that fire. Have you ever been in a place where fire spreads so rapidly? You know, we used to live in California when I was a kid. Out there, they have just these seasons of dryness. And, and they have it all throughout the country, but, but I remember, and it, you see it on TV. If you see the news, you see this, it seems like every summer, that a fire will catch here, and all of a sudden thousands and thousands of acres are burned. Why do you think God uses the metaphor of fire for the power of his Holy Spirit? It's because the contagious aspects of it are the same. See, just like fire will spread in a field that is dry or a forest that is dry and rage, so can it spread in the power of the Holy Spirit through Christians that just say yes and give him their yes and say, I want your will. See, it will spread and it will be contagious. Jesus Christ working in your life, you saying yes, it will not stay within you, I promise. It can't. Because fire cannot be contained. Fire can be put out. We can control that fire. We can allow it to burn a little bit because I want to control my life. But see, that's not the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is to say yes and consistently give him your yes. And I want your will, not mine. I want your will in my life. Do whatever you want. But then you've got to be careful not to be surprised. Because what he wants probably does not look exactly like what we think it will. Or even what we want it to be. So you have to be ready to continue giving your yes and just say, I trust you. See, when he told Alex and I to close the business without a plan, without a plan to move forward, I'm thinking in my mind, okay, well, I have a plan. <laughs> this is what you're going to do, Lord. You're, you're going you're to allow me to go on staff at our current church because I work there anyways. Now, now I'll just get a paycheck for it. Great plan, God. That's awesome. Only to find out that wasn't the case at all. So then I found myself in a place saying, okay, I, I trust you, Lord. I know you told me to do it. You promised if I give you my yes, then you will take me down the path that you want me to go down, so I trust you. See, there's going to come a point when you give him your yes and you, you give him, say, I want your will, God, for my life. There's going to point, come a point where you're confused. There's going to come a point where things aren't quite looking like I thought they would look. 
Okay, why am I having all these troubles? If I'm having all these troubles, maybe I'm going the wrong direction. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe this God thing isn't, isn't what it's all cracked up to be. Okay, but understand that giving him your yes means saying, Lord, build my faith. Build my faith in trusting what you have for me. And man, there is nothing tougher in a relationship with Jesus Christ than building our faith. <laughs> He's like, here's my word, trust me. That's tough. Have you ever trusted something you can't see? I mean, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ's plan for your life, you have. That's not an easy thing. And I will not sit up here or stand up here and tell you that's an easy thing. Just say yes and your life will be just woo. You know, it's not about that. In fact, Jesus Christ said, if you follow me, This life is a tough life. He said, because the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. Which is funny, as they're building the church, you notice they didn't have a building. And he didn't even seek one. He didn't build a building to try and get everybody to come in and and see what was going on and get saved and everything else. Sorry, I had to throw that in there. Right, he went to them. But... When you say yes in your life, understand trials are going to come. Because it is a difficult life to submit to somebody else. Let me give you a practical example in the world. If you take a job and you have authorities in that job over you, perhaps you have a manager or a manager over them, and you know if you're entry level, you have like 100 levels before the- before it gets to the top, right? When you go in there, if you just declare, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to live my life as I want to live my life. I'm going to do my work as I want to do my work. I know that they gave me this to do. I'll get to that. I need to read the paper first, right? You're not going to get very far with that company, are you? Right. See, when you choose a career path and you get into a job and then you start pouring your yes into that job, think of the metaphor with Jesus Christ. When you're, when you're saying, yes, I will do what I need to do, I want your will, manager, okay? I want to do your will. So if you have a report that you need me to do, it's my will to do your will. Does that make sense? So when you do this, and you do it well, you start getting recognition from the managers. You start moving up in the company. You get trained in your mind of how to operate within their blueprint, within what that company does. And then you work your way through, and and, and eventually you find yourself in that position of management. Perhaps you really do well, and you, you end up at upper-level management. But see, nobody ended up in that upper-level management going in at the bottom level deciding, I'm going to do what I want to do. It's not how it works. That's not how the training process works. The training process works by saying, I will do your will. See, it's no different with the Lord. 
I will do your will. I give you my yes. I want to do your will in my life as you've planned it. And then all of a sudden, when something goes through, you're given something to do, you do it, you trust him, and then you can move forward because he fills that power in your life to do it. Does that make sense? All right, turn to verse 42 in Acts. And I'm going to read down through 47. This is that group of 3,000, technically 3,120 people now. Okay, Started out as 120. They added 3,000 souls that day. So what they're talking about here in verse 42 is that group of people. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came of it. Let me read through it and then we'll go back. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. See, this wasn't just something that happened on their Sabbath, or in our case, like on a Sunday morning or a Tuesday night. This was day by day because this was their lives. See, they were committed not only to the unity, but they were committed committed to the furthering of this new life that they knew. This overwhelming change in their lives. With believing in Jesus Christ and receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. Said that they had all things in common. What does that mean? It means that they cared about each other. It means that they loved each other. I, I love the part where, where it says, and they, they I think it was, uh, oh, and day by day, attending the temple together, verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. What does that mean? That means they loved food as much as we do. They fellowshiped around food just like we do. See, isn't that interesting? That was not invented by us today. <laughs> that was not invented by the Baptist church. Have, have food fellowships. Why is that so powerful? It's because when you're sharing bread with each other, when you're sharing food with each other, you're sharing life with each other. So they spent time together doing that. But I want to go back to verse 42. Because this is, this is really the crux of this portion. So these people who now have come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ and who he is. And remember, these are the same people that just crucified him. Okay, it says in verse 42, and they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. What does that mean? What does it mean to devote yourself? 
In the Greek, that means a prolonged form of being devoted, being committed. You are strongly committed. To devote yourself to something means there is nothing that is going to dissuade you from that path. So they became devoted to these things that we're going to mention in a second. But there was nothing that was going to dissuade them from that. Nothing that was going to take them off of that road, off of that trail. Right? So verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, number one. Okay, and, and some of your Bibles, may there, there's kind of a gap between apostles and teaching. Is there up here? No, there's not. But, uh, but it's not that they devoted themselves to the apostles and teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What is that? The Word of God. They devoted themselves to the Word of God. They devoted themselves to what God was saying. They devoted themselves to the love that was portrayed in his scripture. They got hungry for his word is the point. It wasn't just that, hey, tell me how to live a good life, and I'll be devoted to that. It was, if God's speaking, I want to know it. I'm hungry for it. I, I, I'm hungry for your scripture. We've encouraged people to go through the gospels. Recently, and and to to be hungry for what Jesus Christ is saying in there. See, are you hungry for His Word? Are you hungry for that? Are you hungry for understanding what it means, or does it just represent to you something that doesn't make sense? See, there is something that must be present in understanding the Word of God, and that is a heart that is hungry for it. If you're reading the Word of God just to gain knowledge, just to know something more than your friend, or, or and, and, and I know that, I used to do this. I used to love to study both ends. I, I, I just put so much time into studying Genesis and the creation. First six chapters of the Bible. And, and took so much pride in that. I know when I was teaching adult adult. Uh, Bible study years and years ago, 20, 25 years ago now, I think, or pretty close to that. It, it, it took me two years to get through the first six chapters of Genesis, and I took so much pride in that. Yeah, well, I know something you don't know, so I'm going to here to teach you, right? If that's all I'm getting out of his word is knowledge, it has no effect on my life which is exactly what happened. There was no fire burning in my heart because it took this root in my heart. I was looking at it as knowledge. And then I went to Revelation and, and Revelation, oh, this is even better because now I can tell people that I know what's going to happen. And you know what's funny is when you can tell people what's going to happen, they listen. That's an easy way to get a crowd. You've seen it time and time again, even from these cults, even from these people that, that claim the world's about to end and they get all these followers up until the point when it doesn't. Right? It's easy to get people to listen if you're talking about something that's going to happen. But for that to be sustainable, it has to be of God. 
That's why it's so amazing to get, dig into His Word. Because you will find so many things that are going to happen. So many things that are planned for your life. Do you know if you read His Word, He will speak to you directly. Not just as a group. He will speak to you directly and show you your path. That's what you need to be hungry for. Not just getting some information so I can impress my friends. Especially so I can impress my church friends. I, I follow God. I know Revelation twelve ten says there's an accuser. Accuses me day and night. I'm smart. Let's go have lunch. <laughs> I mean, come on. Really. That doesn't change your life. What changes your life is the hunger of how does that apply to me? Wait, wait, wait. You say Revelation 12.10, there's an accuser that accuses me day and night. Okay, so Lord, Lord, as I'm reading this, I understand that. So, so how, do I, how do I come and, and fight him? You know, and then the Lord begins to show you, you have to show up in court. You have to pray. Right? You have an accuser day and night. You have this same accuser that goes throughout the world seeking who he can devour and, and developing all these cases against us. You have to go in prayer as a witness for yourself. That's really what prayer is. When you go to prayer with the Lord, you're sharing your heart. You're declaring your heart and your conviction and your choice of Jesus Christ. That's why I said it's important to declare that to the enemy. To say it out loud. It's important in that warfare. So, so all of a sudden as I'm hungry for the word, I'm reading this and I'm saying, okay, there, there, there's a solution to this, God. I, I need to keep reading. I need to keep going. And then later in that verse it says, how you will overcome is by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the blood of the Lamb, and the word of your testimony. Wow. That applies to me. So if I have this accuser out there coming after me, what you're saying, Lord, is your blood, Jesus Christ's blood, has power to defeat that. And then the word of my testimony, what does that mean? That's my declarations. My testimony is that I declare the Lord has done this in my life. I declare that I give my life to Him. Do you know Satan cringes when you do that? When you declare out loud and say, My life is the Lord's. My life is Jesus Christ. I want your will in my life. Not my own will. I want your will. Do you know that defeats the enemy? When you're covered, first covered in the blood of Jesus Christ because you've accepted Him as Savior, and then the word of your testimony is, I give you my yes, and I want what you want. You have just defeated the accuser, Satan himself. You have just defeated the only power that can come against you. Problem is, Oftentimes, we don't recognize that that's happening. And, okay, but the next day was tough. So, so if, if I defeated him, why is he coming back? Why is he still there? 
It's because a war is filled with many battles. A war is not won in one battle. Especially a war over something as precious as you. See, those are battles that you win. The war was already won because your heart is with Jesus Christ. But the battles are what strengthen us. You know, if you look warriors of old, okay, for that matter, even warriors now, warriors that are trained in warfare, they can be trained. You, you, you talk about these SEAL teams, and I've heard these testimonies from them. You talk about these SEAL teams that have the best training in the world. They're trained for every situation. They know exactly what to do. But yet they don't become perfect until they've experienced the battlefield. It's when they've gone out on the battlefield that the practice becomes reality. See, in your life, when you give Jesus your yes and he takes you, immediately he's going to take you in a place of preparedness to prepare you for what he has for your life. That training process, what he trains you when, you when you pick up your word and you're reading your word and you're consuming your word and you're letting it sit heavy on your heart, it has to be put into practice. It has to be tested. Because God said that the testing of fire will prove if that is gold or silver or precious stones, which are all good, or wood, hay, stubble, which would burn up in the fire. See, when you give him your yes, it's going to be tested. It has to be. Because he's building a warrior in you. And a warrior has to be tested on the battlefield. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And secondly, the fellowship. The fellowship. What does that mean? That means we're not an island. We're not an island to ourselves. We're to have fellowship together. We're, in, in fact, we're to be wholly committed. Remember what devoted means. We're to be wholly committed to fellowship, to being together. And, and let me actually include the next part, the breaking of bread. <laughs> because oftentimes that's what goes with fellowship. Right? We're to be committed to that. We're to be wholly devoted to that. And, and i got to say, I am just so absolutely thrilled with our young people, which is like 80% of our church. <laughs> and not that I'm not thrilled with the older people. I, I'm thrilled with us too. But the younger people that, that intrinsically just go together and fellowship and, and do you know, it, many, many of you may not know this, and, and certainly the people online may not know this, but our young people, we, we, they do something every week together, but then they also do something else every week together that is with another church. I mean, we can't get churches to play with us, so we go play with them. <laughs> and that's, that's cool. I don't mind that. If, 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 if we, we can't get them to come to, you know, something we're doing, we'll go to something they're doing. 
Because, see, we have to crave fellowship with them. They're the bride. They're the believers. They're, they're our brothers. They're our sisters. We have to crave that. We have to be committed, fully committed to that. And then there's the food part. Amen. Amen. I know every, every Sunday after church we have groups that go out to eat. That's awesome. You know, when, when we have our, our Thursday night uh, college and young adult thing, we always have pizza. Right? We circle it around food. It's awesome. I love food. Except when I'm fasting. Lord had me fast for three days this week and about killed me. He, he, he said, I want you to fast just water. And it, he, he didn't really even specifically tell me why. And that's okay. I give you my yes. Okay, do you know how sweet that first meal was? It was actually last night, which, which Alex hates because I ate after 9 o'clock. But it was so good. It was so good, and I was by myself. It would have been better if I was with y'all. Yeah, pass the bread. See, fellowship is something to be craved. Fellowship is something to, to be wanted and to be wholly devoted to. One thing I love in here is, is we really don't separate out because of age. You know, I, I, I see all ages that just, we're family. We're just family. We don't single out any, any age. Well, you're too, you're too young to really, really you know, have any effect. And so, so here, you go into that room and you guys can, we'll give you something to do. We don't do that. Yeah. I mean, we're all a family. And that, that's, what he's, that's what God said here. Be wholly devoted to that fellowship, to that breaking of bread. By the way, Jesus loved to do that. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to have dinner with him. How awesome. That was one of the first things he did when, after he rose from the grave. And he saw his disciples and they're like, are, are you for real? Are you for real? Yeah, give me something to eat. <laughs> give me something to eat. I'll prove to you I'm real. I have a body. I can eat. I'm hungry. Got any fish? Now, I, I don't know. I, I got to say we have better food now. Because he ate fish in the morning. I'm not sure that's all that good. If you're a fish lover, maybe. But the point is, that fellowship was precious. All Jesus wanted to do is, hey, let's sit down, let's have a meal, let's talk. How, how's your day going? Well, I mean, at the beginning of it, you weren't here, and now you're here, so pretty good. <laughs> right? Imagine how that conversation went. Imagine how the conversation's going to go the first time you sit down with Jesus and have a meal with him in heaven. Imagine what that's going to be like. Oh, man. I, I think we get a glimpse of that when we crave fellowship together and crave the breaking of bread together. Because that's a picture of him. And then the last thing says, and the prayers. They were devoted to prayer. Prayer is warfare. Prayer is going in intercession, in battle, 
for yourself and for others. Prayer is the most important activity, if you want to call that, that the church can do. I find it sad when you have a church that has a schedule and they got three minutes set aside for prayer. You know, we'll pray to open the service, take about 30 seconds there, and then we definitely got to pray over the offering. We'll take five minutes there because that's important. Right? And then we'll close in prayer. Amen. We just spent eight minutes in prayer. Wow. You know, I'm sorry. I think that break, breaks God's heart. That breaks his heart because, see, prayer is going before him. Prayer is where we literally take that, that fellowship, that devoted, the committed fellowship, and we take it to him. That's having fellowship with him. When you're in prayer, and by the way, prayer doesn't have to be this, this long-labored, structured thing. I, I know that's how I grew up in, in, in the schools that I went to, and, and I, I've told you that before, where, well, you've got to have your quiet time and, and you know, read your five minutes of your Bible, and, and boy, if you do more than five minutes, you're doing really good. You know, if you could build that up in your life to where you're, you're, now, you're now doing 20 minutes a day, man, you ought to be a pastor. You know, and, and then, you know, you're praying, you're just praying this list and, and it's not bad. To, I don't mean it's bad to pray a list, but, but you're just praying to, just praying to get through this regiment. Wow. That is not what prayer is. Do you know prayer is no different than a conversation? And, and different prayers are different things. Because when you are praying, you are literally going before the throne of God. You can go there in different purposes. Oftentimes on Tuesday nights or on the prayer call. Here, let me plug that. Prayer call Monday and Wednesday, 8.30 p.m. Nice little plug there, right? And then Tuesday night, 7.30, about to change to 7. We'll go over all that later. But when you go before an intercession for others... You are going to war for others. You're going before the throne of God with power and purpose. Okay, but that isn't what all prayer is like. Do you ever just talk to God? Do you ever just throughout the day, just talk to him? Just, just say, whatever you're doing, just include him in it. I talk to Jesus all the time. He's told me a few things that I was kind of stupid in just a few minutes ago. <laughs> he thought it was a bad joke, too. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But the point is, I talk to him. You know, if, if I'm, I, I'm building a shed right now, okay, if I'm out there building a shed, I'm doing one of two things. I have worship music on in my ears, and I'm worshiping him, or I'm speaking with him. And, and it's really whatever's on my heart. It's not that list. It's not, Lord, for the tenth time today, I want to go through this list. No, it's, Lord, put on my heart what you want me to talk to you about. If you want me to see, intercede for someone else, put, place it on my heart. Otherwise, let's just hang out. Lord, help me not to hit my thumb again with this hammer. Now, I'll tell you what, and this is going to sound funny, but this absolutely 
works and it's a true story. When you start a project, pray before the project. Pray before the project that God will help you in the project. I, I remember when I first started this this uh, this shed project, and it's yeah, it's it's just it's a big project, but. Uh, and I, I'm guessing it'll probably take me over the next year to really accomplish. But, because it's, it's a big shed. <laughs> Not a little shed, it's a big shed. But I remember when I started it, I'm, I'm dilling the, digging these pylon holes, and, and it's like, seriously, this is hard. And I got an auger and everything. I, I got Alexis out there helping me, and this is just ridiculous, you know. And then it dawned on me, why don't you ask the Lord to help Okay, so I asked the Lord to help, and I told the enemy to get away. He's not allowed anywhere near there. And all of a sudden, and it just went easier. It just went easier. Then all of a sudden, as I'm building the foundation of this, I'm praying the same thing, and it, you know what? I only measured that once, and it was actually correct. Instead of measure three times so you don't make a mistake, I measured it once, and it's correct. Thank you, God. Thank you. Oh, this one I forgot to measure. Oh, Lord, thank you. That one actually fits. Brooke can be a testimony to this. I think I mentioned to her a a couple times where where there was this piece of wood. Now, anybody who's a builder, you'll understand how rare this is. Okay, But there's this piece of wood left over that was exact. I mean, to the, the tenth, it was exact fit. I didn't cut it that way. It just happened to be what was left, and I needed one more piece, and this was exact. I didn't even have to cut it. It was exact. And I'm just, I'm just doing my work. And I'm, oh, thank you, Lord. That's so awesome. And we're, we're just having this conversation. Do you see? That's what prayer is. God wants you 24 hours a day. And don't worry about your dreams. When you go to sleep, he'll take care of you. That'll be, that'll be his part. But trust me, when you do this, when you devote yourself, it says devote yourself, wholly commit yourself to prayer. That means all the time. That means you can pray to him anytime, all the time. It doesn't have to be, you know, between this time in the morning or this time at night. It can be all the time. You ever try, and I know Jeff has uh, told me this many times, he, he, he'll be in the middle of a meeting. He'll pray before he goes into a meeting with somebody. He'll be in the middle of a meeting, and, and if something is going wrong or something needs to change, he'll pray, and boom, it changes. Am I right? Power of prayer. Have you ever been with friends, and, and all of a sudden something's starting to go wrong? Instead of reacting to maybe what was said, why don't you include God? Say, Lord, Lord, I, I need your help here. I, w- I want to react properly because I love this person. I want to react properly. I need your help. See, it's as simple as that. He will. You give him your yes and he comes. You say, I want you, he comes. He promises to. That's what he wants to grow in his church That's what was produced in the early church. That's what he wants to produce right now. That's what will bring the readying of the bride. That's what had to do with the vision and the word that he gave me 
about Nineveh. He wants to do a work in you. He wants to do a work that is not this partial work, but he wants this constant work. And that relationship that you build in that is something that will blow you away. It's something you'll never regret. It will become the cornerstone of your life, your relationship with Jesus Christ. And it will be the very thing that draws other people to you. Because his love is contagious. That's why his love is like fire. Fire to a dry land. You set a dry land on fire, and the land begins to absorb the fire, and it just spreads. We have a thirsty world. We have a dry world. You start setting his love like fire in a dry world, and it's going to catch the world on fire. See, that's the word he gave me. That God is going to make a difference in this world because his love will be contagious through you and through me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. We praise you, God. We thank you. Thank you for your word, God, because what you desire is a united church. What you desire is a united bride. And God, that is our heart as well. And it begins, Lord, with us. It begins in our heart. That we must be devoted to these very things that you have laid out in the early church. Being devoted to your word. Being devoted to fellowship. And to eating together. And to prayer. This powerful prayer life, God. Develop that in each one of us. As you have developed it in Ignition, that's what Ignition's been, a, been about from the very beginning, is just interceding with you in prayer. But God, work on our hearts. Develop us into the warriors that you want us to be. We love you so much, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, amen. I hope that uh, the Holy Spirit revealed something special to you today because um, that hunger and that fire is going to be represented in a real way. Um, you can say you have it, but if you really have it, it does show in your life in some way. So um, one of the things that I was wanting to encourage you in is um, don't just think of your hunger being represented in coming for the one service of the week. Um, do your best to, to come every time that we gather. If your schedule allows it, um, really seek to have your schedule allowed. We do have the Tuesday prayer service, but also the 9 o'clock hour is the Bible study hour for um, various classes. The youth does one with Peter and Lindsay. There's um, the, uh, the adult uh, group for, with Colin, and then there's the women's Bible study that, um, that I do. And I wanted to show you, we just started... Um, the book Fervent by Priscilla Shire, and it's really about a lot of what Greg is talking about, a passion and a desire 
to, um, to understand how effective and powerful prayer can be. And uh, if you would like to get, we've already had many people, but this is the one time, it's very unusual that I do this. Usually I just, you know, God just gives me series and then I write my own. But this one, I really want you to invest in the book. It's $13, so if you uh, want to be part of this study, um, you need to sign up to get a book. And I know many have already gotten their book, but be sure to let me know because um, we're, we're getting another batch in this week. And if you've not picked yours up yet, please do. But I hope that you'll come. Ask yourself, what can I do to arrange my schedule? You know, one of the things that I noticed in my own life is um, I went through a period where I had to go to every service. And then I went through a period in ministry where it just, the midweek service, there was just, I don't know, there was just a justification to just not come. And it just was kind of not in my schedule and we were self-employed. And so there was just lots of issues. When God really began to ignite a passion in me, especially in prayer, I noticed that I started coming more. I started to, you know, attend additional things, um, just be involved and be, you know, put out there, myself out there more. And I want to encourage you, some of you that struggle, because this is, you're not the only one, believe me, it's across the board. I've heard it for 10 years from women. 